John chapter 8, beginning in verse 12. And like I said, I'll read through verse, verse 30 this morning. Again, Jesus spoke to them, saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. So the Pharisees said to him, You are bearing witness about yourself. Your testimony is not true. Jesus answered, Even if I do bear witness about myself, my testimony is true. For I know where I came from and where I am going. But you do not know where I come from or where I am going. You judge according to the flesh. I judge no one. Yet even if I do judge, my judgment is true. For it is not I alone who judge, but I and the Father who sent me. In your law, it is written that the testimony of two people is true. I am the one who bears witness about myself, and the Father who sent me bears witness about me. They said to him, therefore, where is your father? Jesus answered, you know neither me nor my father. If you knew me, you would know my father also. These words he spoke in the treasury as he taught in the temple. But no one arrested him because his hour had not yet come, not yet come. So he said to them, I am going away, and you will seek me, and you will die in your sin. Where I am going, you cannot come. So the Jews said, Will he kill himself? Since he says, Where I am going, you cannot come. He said to them, You are from below, I am from above. You are of this world. I am not of this world. I told you that you would die in your sins, for unless you believe that I am he, you will die in your sins. So they said to him, Who are you? Jesus said to them, Just what I have been telling you from the beginning. I have much to say about you and much to judge, but he who sent me is true, and I declare to the world what I have heard from him. They did not understand that he had been speaking to them about the Father. So Jesus said to them, When you have lifted up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am he, and that I do not speak, or I do nothing on my own authority, but speak just as the Father taught me. And he who sent me is with me. He has nothing, he has, he has not left me alone, for I always do the things that are pleasing to him. As he was saying these things, many believed in him. If you're a parent uh, and have small children, or at some point in your life have had small children in your home, um, it's guaranteed that at some point, I mean, this is almost an understatement, it's guaranteed that at some point you're going to be up in the middle of the night doing something with or for a child, taking care of a sick child or getting a drink of water or just soothing a child who had a nightmare. Now, really, honestly, I think in parenting, that's the easy part. Um, Not not because you're up in the middle of the night and you're losing sleep, but the hard part in in, when your child is asking for something in the middle of the night is actually getting to to your child. And this might be a little bit of hyperbole, but I think Rebecca and I are pretty good about having our kids clean their room at the end of each day. We're not perfect. We probably get a B plus, Uh, maybe a B. but when our child is crying in the middle of the night, and you don't want to turn the lights on because in our apartment, we have four girls in one room, it, you don't want to turn the lights on because you don't want to wake any of the other kids. 
you, you walk through that room pretty gingerly because you know that there, even if there's just one toy, one Lego on the floor, your heel is going to find that Lego. And, uh, and you're going to make a noise and you're probably going to wake up the rest of the, the children too. Walking across broken glass or hot coals as a parent is nothing. Um, when you know that you might be stepping on toys in the, in the middle of a room. If you have small children with Legos in the home, you could walk across hot coals and not be, not be hurt. <laughs> now, the point of me saying that is that there is a correct path when walking and navigating through, through a room that's full of toys on the floor. And, and the correct path is clearly seen when the light is on, when it's daytime, when there's natural light coming through a window or when there's a, when there's a, when there's a, a light on in the, in the bedroom. This passage gives us a lot of really, really good news about who Jesus is. Because when we think about the way that, that our lives transpire, oftentimes we find ourselves in the midst of difficulty, in the midst of, uh, the midst of trials, in the midst of, of hardships. And those things are often complicated when we're stumbling around through life, trying to figure out, trying to gain clarity, and stepping in places that we just don't want to be stepping. You'll remember that in John's Gospel, throughout our time in John's Gospel, that Jesus is making, or he's already made one of these statements, but he's making several I am statements. And now this is the second of those statements. Um, his statements, uh, I am, we saw this in chapter 5, I am the bread of life was the first time he made an I am statement. And now he's making this one in verse 12 in John chapter 8, where he says, I am the light of the world. Jesus, in these instances, is making a statement about his divinity. He is claiming by saying, I am, and then following it up in this instance with the light of the world, he is saying, I am God. That's the first and primary reason for him making these statements. Because if you remember back into the Old Testament, all the way back into the book of Exodus, when God appears to Moses in the burning bush, um, he makes this statement when Moses says, who's going to tell, or who's gonna, who am I going to tell the, uh, the people of Israel that uh, sent me to you to deliver you out of the land of Egypt? And God replies to him, He says, I am sent you. It's how God introduces himself. And so whenever you see the word Lord in the Old Testament, whenever you see the word Lord, say if you're reading through a psalm, and you see it in all caps, that's a stand-in for this this name of God, Yahweh, um, that is made up of four letters in the Hebrew. And when God says this name, uh, the uh, Jewish people would not recite or say that name out loud out of reverence for the name of God. And so even in our Bibles, we carry through that tradition. When you see Lord in all caps, it's a a callback to uh, the reverence that the Jewish people have for the name of God. But here where Jesus says, I am the light of the world, that I am at the beginning first indicates to us that Jesus is saying, I am God. God. Now, there's a lot of other content in this passage that 
puts that on display for us. And we're going to explore that together. But again, this is the, I want you to know this. This is important. Jesus is going to say seven of these statements throughout the time, our time in John's gospel. And we're going to kind of come up on a bunch of them here in the next, in the next couple of chapters. But Jesus saying, I am the light of the world has some very uh, important meaning for us as we consider as we consider the rest of this text and who Jesus is. So in these 19 verses this morning we're looking at, we may be tempted. So when I read this text, you're going to see right away in verse 12, Jesus says, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Now, he doesn't mention being the light of the world through the rest of this passage, all the way through verse 30. That idea doesn't necessarily come up again. So we may be tempted to say that, well, that's just a standalone statement that Jesus made. But I think it's pretty clear when we, and hopefully we can explore this together this morning, I think it's pretty clear that this I am statement that Jesus makes is foundational truth. This is a foundational truth that everything that comes after in this passage through verse 30 and honestly through the rest of the gospel needs to be read in light of what Jesus or who Jesus says that he is here in this, in this text. This is a big idea for the rest of these 19 verses. And again, is going to become a touch point for us through the rest of our time in John's gospel. Now, this, the idea of Jesus being light should not be foreign to us. If you go all the way back to John's prologue in chapter 1, which we were there about a year and a half ago. It's been a long time. But when we were there, you'll remember in verse 4 in chapter 1, um, John tells us, in him, in Jesus, was life, and the life was the light of men. Verse 5, the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. So we can't even get out of the first five verses without this idea of Jesus being light in, in, in John's gospel. And now we're revisiting that, and we're setting ourselves up for a better understanding of who Jesus is and what he come to do uh, throughout the rest of this gospel. But here's what I want you to hear this morning from this text, where verse 12 is the foundational verse, and everything that comes after it through verse 30 is building on that idea. What I want you to hear, and what I think Jesus is communicating in this passage, is this following Jesus is the only way to see clearly and walk the path of life. It's that simple. This passage is about following Jesus, and that following Jesus is the only way to see clearly and walk the path of life. I, I hope that becomes evident to us as we walk through the text. And I think that there's two ways in which this text unpacks that statement for us. Um, two things that Jesus does and two uh, portions of an arguments that he makes in this text that's going to help us understand that following Jesus is the only way to see clearly and to walk the path of life. So let's explore this passage a bit more, what comes after verse 12 here. The first thing I want you to see in this passage is that Jesus is in perfect sync with the Father. And this is vital to this statement that Jesus makes. And it's Really interesting, if, okay, so look the way that the Pharisees address Jesus in verse 13. It's really interesting that the Pharisees go to this idea of witness. 
If you were with us a couple weeks ago, if you heard the sermon from a couple weeks ago, you remember the beginning part of John 8, Jesus is, uh, Jesus is engaging with the scribes and the Pharisees about this woman who is caught in the sin of adultery. And uh, throughout that passage, we learn that, that Jesus, uh, he, he makes a statement and he says, uh, whoever is without sin, you go ahead and throw the first stone at this woman because they were advocating for um, public execution. But this woman, um, this, this woman in this instance um, was, uh, was caught in her sin. And in order to substantiate the claim, in order to, in order to uh, carry out the execution for the crime, two witnesses needed to be present according to the law in order, to, in order for, for the punishment to be carried out. When Jesus says to them, whoever, whoever, uh, whoever is not without sin, go ahead and throw the first stone, um, everyone stands up and walks away. Now, there are no witnesses left, and so Jesus says, is anyone left to condemn you? And the woman says, no, no, no one. And he says, I don't condemn you either, go. Now, Jesus isn't dismissing adultery as uh, not sin, but what he is doing is saying, there's no witness here to your sin, and therefore the punishment um, cannot be carried, carried out. So we already have in this chapter ideas about witnesses and bearing witness to, uh, to a claim. Now, when Jesus makes his own claim, when he claims, I am the light of the world, the Pharisees are going to go right after him and say, there aren't any witnesses here except for yourself that can substantiate what you're saying about yourself. And now Jesus contradicts this. Where there were no people left, no witnesses left to condemn the woman who was caught in adultery, there are in fact two witnesses here to give us an understanding that Jesus' claims about himself are true. The first witness is Jesus himself. The second witness is his heavenly Father. So the Pharisees question the truth of Jesus' word. And they say, they tell Jesus that when he is bearing witness about himself, he needs two witnesses to do this. And, and they're, they're just calling back to something that Jesus has said back in John chapter 5, verse 31, where they say, um, Jesus said, if I alone bear witness about myself, my testimony is not true. And so they're saying, well, you're just bearing witness about yourself, and so your testimony is not true. How could you be the light of the world? You're the only one who's claiming this. And Jesus says, that's not the case. The Pharisees, again, are still trying to pin Jesus in his words. They're still trying to, to, to get him to contradict himself. But Jesus is nowhere near contradicting himself based on what he says here. So, they say, you need another witness. And he says, uh, in this instance, to substantiate the claim that he is the light of the world and that he is God. So who would bear witness to the redemption that Jesus br is bringing into the world? And Jesus' answer he gives, again, is the Father. The Father is here bearing witness. The Father is the second witness. And look at all of the references. Look at your Bible with me. Verse 16 it is the Father who sent Jesus. Verse 18, it is the Father who bears witness about Jesus. Verse 19, the Father is known by Jesus, but the Father is not known by the Pharisees. Look at verse 28. Jesus speaks 
for the Father. He speaks on behalf of the Father as one who has been taught by the Father. And then verse 29, Jesus always acts in a way that is pleasing to the Father. Now, all of these references to the Father are indicating to us that Jesus is in perfect sync with the Father. You can't speak on behalf of someone else if you don't know what they think about a particular topic. You can't, uh, you can't do everything that's pleasing to, uh, to a person if you don't know what's actually pleasing to them and are not in sync with them. Jesus is perfectly in sync with the Father. Now, what does that have to do with Jesus' claim to be the light of the world? When he says, I am the light of the world. If Jesus acted or spoke differently than God the Father, if they weren't synced up, then how could Jesus light up the path of life properly? How could he show men and women and boys and girls who put their trust in him how to walk according to and in step with what's pleasing to God the Father? The answer is if he's not in sync with the Father, then he can't. He cannot do that. So he is in perfect step, in perfect sync with the Father. And the Old Testament is clear. The Old Testament is clear that, that the only one, the only person who can genuinely light up our path and show us the path of life and keep us on the path of life is God. So let me give you a couple of examples. Emily read from Psalm 27 at the beginning of our time, and the, the ideas were embedded in there walking along the path of life, the light that is given to us to walk. But there are many, many instances, especially in the Psalms, of God being our light and our God showing us a clear path. It is only God who can properly show us the path of life and keep us on it. Consider, for instance, Psalm 25, 15. My eyes are ever toward the Lord. He will pluck my feet out of the net. Now, this, 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 this verse is a little counterintuitive because if you're walking somewhere and you don't want to trip and fall, you, you look down. But what God says to us here in this psalm through his servant David is that if you look up at the Lord, your feet will be, and trust him with your walking, your feet will be free from snares and tripping hazards. And Lego. But, so, keeping your eye on the Lord, the one who is the light, the one who gives us the path. Rather, your steps land in the right places when your focus is on God. Or Psalm 16, 11. The psalmist writes, You make known to me the path of life. In your presence there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. The way to walk in this life is illuminated. It's made known by God. It's not a journey of self-discovery. It's not self-revelation. It's the revelation of God given to us in his word that makes known to us the path of life. Or think about Psalm 119.105. You know this one well. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. 
Your path isn't lit up by self-help gurus or by worldly advisors. Your, your path is only lit up by God's word. And again, the, the Old Testament, especially the Psalms, is chock full of statements like this. Walking on the path that God has, has established and having that path lit up or illuminated, put on display for us by God and his word. This is the way we step off of that path. We step out of the light and we're walking in a way that is displeasing or dishonoring to God. And so when Jesus says, I am the light of the world, again, in that I am those two words there, he is making the claim to be God. But by claiming to be the light of the world, he is also claiming to be God. Because there, the old, again, the Old Testament is clear. There is no way that you can walk the path of life. There is no way that you can have your feet, the place where you put your feet lit up if you are outside of or walking in a way contrary to God's word. So Jesus shows that he is perfectly synced up with the Father because in order for that statement, I am the light of the world to be true, Jesus must be sent by God the Father. He must speak for God the Father he must be united with God the Father and he must be going to God the Father. If any of those things that he says about his Father are false, then his statement, I am the light of the world, is false. The second thing, though, I want you to see, and, and this is very simple, is that Jesus is the only light. Jesus is the only light. Again, simple observation, but we shouldn't skip it because it's right there in verse 12. When he says, I am the light of the world. He says, I am the light of the world. He uses the definite article. He says, I am the light. Of, he's not saying, I am a light of the world, as if there are many. He says, I am the light of the world. He is the only light. And again, that matters because of what he is claiming here. By claiming to be God, he is saying, I am not a light. I am the light. Again, the statement that I made right at the beginning, following Jesus is the only way to see clearly and walk the path of life. You, you, may, you and we all the time, we are tempted to look at things around us and to think that these are, this, this thing, this Implementing this practice in my life, or um, making this purchase, or um, or or getting this new job, will bring clarity to my reality. Doing this one thing will bring clarity to my reality. We're tempted all of the time to think that there is another light, but Jesus is clear. He is the light of the world. Now, again, an, another temptation here is to think, well, that, that's just this ethereal world that is limited to the spiritual. It doesn't necessarily have anything to do with what I choose to eat for breakfast. But I'm telling you, it has what Jesus says this. He says, I am the light of the world. He is making the claim exclusively for everything. He is not saying I am the light of the world only in spiritual things, only when you're sharing the gospel with a friend I'm, or, or when you're in prayer. He's saying, I am the light of the world in every decision, 
every choice, every step, physically, every thought, every emotion, every action is illuminated by Jesus. And if those things aren't subjected to him in his kingship and lordship over your life, then you are, in fact, walking in darkness. There is nothing so small. There is no thought hidden. Everything and every everything falls under this heading. Either you're walking in the light or you're walking in darkness. Jesus rarely speaks with nuance. He usually speaks in black and white terms. He's usually saying, if you're not doing this, then you're doing this. He's not saying, hey, you know, so there's bright daylight and then there's dark night and then, you know, but you might be walking in the dusk. He doesn't say that. He says light and darkness, black and white. There's a great contrast in the way that Jesus speaks here. If you're following Jesus, you see clearly the path of life and you're walking on it. If you're not following Jesus, you're incapable of walking on the path of life and you are in complete darkness. Now the temptation here, again, here's another temptation for you. The temptation here is going to be like, well, um, well, that sounds like I've got to do this. But the reality is that Jesus both lights up the way for us to walk and he brings redemption into the world so that we can walk in the light. There is nothing that we do in this instance that is conjured in us. Jesus is the one who, who brings redemption to the world, who pays for the sin that, that we were entangled in and, and mired in, and that was part of our nature. Jesus takes care of everything required for us to walk in the path of life. He walked in the path of life, light perfectly himself. He offers life to us through himself, through his sacrificial death. And so you ask the question, so what's the big deal though? So like, what if I'm, what if I'm walking in the light like 35% of the time and the other 60, 65% of the time, again, I'm not. I'm just kind of doing my own thing. What's the big deal? Who, who cares? Like, um, I've been fine. I've been doing it this way my whole life. I follow Jesus when it works for me got some Jesus and church stuff over here, but I'm just going to do the rest of my stuff over here and it'll be all, all fine. I pray when I get in a tough spot. I read my Bible when things get rough, but I'll follow him when things are right or good or make sense or the conditions are proper. I'll follow him when I get a good night's sleep. I'll follow him when my bank account looks like I want it to. I'll follow him when I have the time or when it doesn't interfere with schedules or when it doesn't interfere with going on vacation or when it doesn't interfere with uh, whatever plans I've made for myself. But the problem here is this. If Jesus is the only light, if Jesus is the only light, then not following him all of the time in every instance means that you're spending your time in the darkness. It means that you're spending your time in the darkness. But not, only in the light of Jesus Christ. Only in the light of God's word can we see, know, live in a way considered to be true, honorable, 
just, pure, lovely, commendable, excellent, or worthy of praise. Because if we're not following Jesus, then we're not seeing the path of life and we're not walking on it. In fact, not only are we not walking on it, we can't even see it. We cannot walk on it. And again, so what? Well, Jesus answers the so what here, right? Jesus tells the Pharisees exactly what walking in darkness leads to. He says it first in verse um, He says it first in verse 21. I am going away and you will seek me and you will die in your sin. And then again, he says it in verse 24, and this is where he really explains what he means by that. He said, "I told you that you would die in your sins, for unless you believe that I am he, you will die in your sins." Verse, uh, the Pharisees then immediately ask this question in verse 25. They say, who are you? And I want to say, haven't you been listening? Um, but, but they ask the question, who are you? Jesus is the bread of life. Jesus is the light of the world. Jesus is going to make, continue to make statements about who he is in these I am statements. He says, I am the light of the world. And so the question shows the darkness and their descent into uh, and trajectory towards dying in their own sins. They don't, they refuse to follow Jesus. They don't see the path of life. They can't walk in it. And Jesus says, unless that changes, they will die in their sins. Now, the good news is in verse 30 here, because it says, and he was saying these things, many believed in him. Many who are questioning Jesus or asking the question, who are you? It doesn't tell us who these people are, but there's hope for every single person who heard the words of Jesus here. There's hope for every single person who hears the words, I am the light of the world. I am the bread of life. There is no way to the Father except through me. There's hope for every single person who hears that. Jesus lights up their path and shows them the path of life. But I want you to see the stakes are a lot higher than just a so what. It doesn't seem like a real big deal if I choose not to follow Jesus 15% of the time. The stakes are much higher though. It's more than just stepping on a Lego. It's literally all of life that becomes darkened. These things go for everyone. Jesus says, I am the light of the world. Everyone. He doesn't just say, I am the light of for, for this person and that person. He says, for everyone. Jesus is the only light. And he's the only light for the whole world. All of your friends and family members, co-workers, neighbors, they all need Jesus as a light because he is the only light of the whole world. The presidents and the senators and city council members and Mayors and kings and school board members all need Jesus as the light because he's the only light of the whole world. Your cashier at Walmart who screws up your order 15 times before you can walk out and makes you late for your next appointment. Your Applebee's server, your IDK server, your family doctor, your veterinarian. They all need Jesus. Because he is the only light of the whole world. 
There is no one in human history. There is no one in all of creation who can light up our path other than Jesus Christ. And then the question is, okay, so how do I have, how do I have my path lit up? Jesus answers it in verse 25. Um, excuse me, 24. Unless you believe, unless you believe that I am he, unless you believe that I am the light of the world, he says you will die in your sins. But Jesus isn't only saying this just matters when you come to the end of your life. The movement forward matters. Jesus says, whoever follows me will not walk in darkness. That's from this moment forward. The time that you've been given here matters also. Believe he is the light of the world now. Don't continue to walk in darkness into tomorrow. Sometimes as Christians, we think that our faith or the belief that Jesus is talking about um, is only for like end of life. Um, You hear people talk about how they had a hard time, but it was their faith that got them through. Certainly that can be the case. Or that they were grateful for a loved one's faith when the person was on their deathbed. But it is our faith in following Jesus in every moment that Jesus is talking about. Not just at the end of life, not just in the midst of of difficulty and hardship. Belief, the faith, the following Jesus, the walking by the light of the path of life is designed for every moment. And Jesus has all of life in view here. And we're told, again, in verse 30, that many believed because of Jesus' words. They believed that Jesus was the only light. And that he was the only light for the whole world. And that by walking in anything other than in the light of who Jesus is, was walking in darkness and would lead only to dying in sin. So as we draw a conclusion this morning, friends, I, want you to, I just want you to see that Jesus is the light of the world. And that's not just this spiritual, ethereal concept. But it is literally everything, everything that we say, everything that we do, every place we go, every thought that we have, every exertion of energy that we make needs to be lit up by Jesus Christ, needs to be subjected and brought under the headship of the Lordship of Jesus Christ in our life. Because following Jesus is the only way to see clearly and walk the path of life. Do you lack clarity in your life in a certain area? The, the idea is think about what does Jesus say about this thing? You may not get a direct answer or a direct quotation or the perfect verse dropping in your lap, but when you take into consideration all who Jesus is and all that he has said, all that he has done, you begin to gain a clearer picture. This is why we devote ourselves to God's word and why we continually say we need to be in God's word because we're always trying to walk by lights that are no light at all. Jesus came into the world to bring light. He is the light of the world. If Jesus' words are true here, then, then it would be 
ridiculous for us to do anything but follow him with all of our life. And you may, you may say, well, that sounds good. I'll do it. Um, but we need to be sure that when we commit to following Jesus in the way that he talks about here, when we subject ourselves to the fact that he is the light of the world, that we understand that we're committing to walk in the way that he walked. That we are committing ourselves to take into consideration everything that he says from Genesis 1.1 to Revelation 21. Everything that he says we would take into consideration. Everything that he says about money, everything that he says about sex and marriage, everything that he says about divorce, whatever he says about love and hate, whatever he says about God's law, everything that he says. Because when God's word lights up our path, we quickly see the side streets that we tend to run off into, into darkness. Ruts that have taken our feet to unlit places in the past. And we're tempted just to veer off into those things and say, hey, I think that this is probably the right path right now for me. Not to take into consideration the Lordship of Jesus. What does Jesus Christ, what does the Word of God say about this thing? But these unlit paths of darkness lead to death in sin. This is what Jesus tells us. And sometimes we bind to this idea, it doesn't matter where my feet take me. It doesn't matter. And we say, well, Jesus paid for it, so it's not a big deal. But that's not the language Jesus uses. The blessing of following Jesus comes walking in the way that Jesus walked, according to all that God commands us, all that God tells us in his word, all that he talks about in his law. Not that we're justified by works of the law, but that we're justified to walk in that. So consider that. What are we walking by? Think about it this week. What are you walking by that you think is a light that is in fact no light at all because it has nothing to do with Jesus and nothing to do with what he said? The second thing that I would say in conclusion very briefly is you can't keep Christ's commands apart from Christ. Jesus, by his spirit, illuminates our steps showing us where we tend to step off the path of life. King David knew this well. In, in, uh, in, in Psalm 19, verse 12, he said, who can discern his errors? There's a rhetorical question. The answer is no one apart from God's word. No one can discern his errors apart from God's word. Who can show us what is pleasing to the Father and how, how we should walk? The answer is Jesus Christ. And only Jesus Christ. The final thing that I would say is, I just want to point to the end of what Jesus says here in this text. In verse 28, he says, When you have lifted up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am He, and I do nothing on my own authority, but speak just as the Father taught me. Lifted up the Son. Jesus is talking about His death. Jesus is talking about being lifted up on the cross. He's, being, he's saying, this is the moment, this Roman execution on the cross that I will endure. As soon as that cross is hoisted up, as soon as Jesus is brutally murdered upon that implement of torture, 
the light of the world would shine its brightness. And it is there that he would guarantee the redemption that he came to achieve for his people. That you and I, if we follow him, and if we believe that he is who he says he is, and that he did what he said he did, we will not die in our sins because it is at that moment that he paid for it. We will live then forever. And so when the Pharisees see Jesus executed, when their plans to eliminate him are carried out, they would unintentionally cause Jesus to rise and to reign and shine forever as the light of the world. Friends, if Jesus did not rise from the dead, if Jesus did not defeat sin and death, then this claim that he is the light of the world is meaningless and you should go about doing whatever you want to do whenever you want to do it. But if he is who he says he is and if he is at the Father's right hand, and he is, then he is the only way to have the path of life illumined. Friends, it's in Christ and his work on the cross that we trust. For the forgiveness of sins, for the new life that we desperately need, and to bring us into the light, so that we might see clearly the path of life and walk in. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your word. God, may this morning be a moment where we see that every, everything, every step, every thought, every action, every word is to be brought under subjection of Jesus Christ, the light of the world. God, would you help us to discern our errors? Would you help us to walk as Jesus walked? God, would you help us through your Holy Spirit to reveal to us more deeply this week who Jesus Christ is? And would we see where we tend to veer off into darkness, choosing our own path other than the path that you have laid out for us, the path of life? God, cause our feet to follow closely in step with Jesus Christ. It's in his name that we pray this morning. Amen.